And welcome back to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Before we get started with our special guest, Rob Treya, talking DFS strategies, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by Draft. Fancy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chance of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to go to Draft. No more, cru- no more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Play a real-life NBA, NFL, PGA when the season's back, MLB, NHL, and more on draft right now. Be done in under five minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second so you can join on whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right, playing a real money draft for free just by using the promo code SD Sports, but it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store to go to, or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. We are on another week of no golf coverage but we decided to do a little DFS strategy talk, and we have a special guest. But before we get to that, let me introduce everybody else, the usual suspects. Uh, you can find Bucks on Twitter at BPSmell11. Bucks, how we doing? Doing great, Bubba. Glad to be back. Good, good. Uh, Jesse, you can find on Twitter at DFSGolfGods. Jesse, what's up? I'm doing well, man. You doing all right? I'm doing. Find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. You can find the podcast on Twitter at AlwaysPressDFS. But our guest, let's not waste any time. You can find him on Twitter at AllDayEvery365. His name is Rob Treya. Rob, how are we doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Uh, you can you can follow Rob on Twitter. Like I said, he's a very knowledgeable PGA guy, other sports as well. Uh, helps out with the BGFS boys that uh, you've heard on other podcasts before. So good stuff there. Um, let's get right into it. I know it's something that dropped this morning. The PGA finally instituted some new rules uh, that start at the beginning of next year. But why don't you kick us off with the first one that got put into play? Yeah, I mean, the big one, and I think what every tour player and every real fan of golf is excited about is um, the fact that you won't be able to call in um, or email in uh, penalties, like watching – the event, if you see something happen, you can't call it in and basically call it on somebody else. So they're taking that away, which is um, awesome. And they're going to assign rules officials to watch the live feeds. And I I think that's going to be awesome. We had a couple incidents last year, uh, both on tour and the LPGA tour, where it caused quite quite an uproar. So I'm glad they're finally doing something. But what do you guys think? What about you, Rob? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the first real time I can really remember this rule coming into effect was Tiger at the Masters. Uh, I want to say it was like four or five years ago where he hit that, where he hit it off the flag and it rolled all the way back into the lake. And, you know, he had to take a drop and, you know, he got assessed a penalty after the fact and everybody thought they were playing a Tiger because it was Tiger. Um, and then, you know, last year's debacle or two years ago with DJ at the U.S. Open, and obviously you were alluding to Lexi last year uh, at the LPGA Tour. 
I mean, it just kind of screws over all the guys that are in contention on Sunday because they get the TV time, whereas guys that go out early who aren't on TV end up not having to deal with anybody that can call in or see anything on TV. So I think it's a much-needed rule. I think it helps up tour a lot better. Yeah, and not to <clears> mention, I mean, golf, golf in general is a, a game of integrity, a game of honesty. Um, it's meant to be played where you call a penalty on yourself. And the majority of what we saw last year and the last few years are like a matter of not even millimeters of like a ball potentially moving. I mean, it's just crazy some of the stuff that they're reviewing. Um, and so you took a lot of that integrity and honesty away. Um, plus, as a player, you have to be almost nervous over some of these um, putts and, and shots, especially in, in terrible conditions, because who knows what the TV is going to show. Um, and especially, like you said, I mean, if you got a guy that's in the lead, he's going to be on TV 100% more than the guy that's on the cut line. So. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think Rob hit the nail on the head. So big bucks there. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, if you're sitting at home and you're calling in rules, uh, you know, breakers, you know, it's like, what, what do you have? Like, find something better to do with your time. I don't know if you guys saw the thing on Scratch that Scratch did with the uh, the guy who, uh, who who was sitting there. They, I think they called him, like, his last name was, like, Ruliana or something like that. Anyway, if you have time, go to Scratch, find that. It is – hilarious because it's basically about the whole deal with Lexi last year. So it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I just saw basically echo what you guys said. And I think it's kind of odd. Like you said, the leaders are always going to be on TV and they're only going to really use TV footage. So how are you going to justify who gets what along the way? But at least it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I did like Luke Donald's tweet today. You can love Luke or not, but uh, his tweet was funny. Is how do these guys even get the phone number to this? Where, where is this? Found? How does this come to be? So uh, it's one of the great mysteries in life. He basically said. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, keeps unfolding. I will say one thing too. It's going to be really interesting to see how they go about like actually interacting with a rule on the course too. You know that. The whole DJ at the U.S. Open was a cluster. It was a mess for two hours, and they really didn't know how to handle it. But the first time they actually go in and try to, you know, assess a penalty, how do you think the player is going to react to it? Or how do you think they're even going to walk up to a guy on a tee and be like, oh, you're getting a two-stroke penalty or a stroke penalty here? It's going to be pretty crazy, I think. Well, yeah, I, I was I was I, wondering, since they're going to have to review it, do they, they just stop playing? <laughs> I have. Great question. Have. They're, they're, they can't do that. I mean, and the other thing is you can't tell somebody like they did with DJ, oh, you might get a penalty. Um, But, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, that's a great point, Bob. Like, just like, you know, the NFL doesn't keep playing when they're reviewing a – Well, because you you can't let them go and play two holes. Like, say it's a Sunday and you have a four-stroke lead and the guy's charging on you and now all of a sudden you're losing two strokes two holes later. It'll totally change the way – or if you're, say, you're two strokes off, I mean, or whatever – It'll change your complete approach to every hole, basically. They're going to have to, like, do some kind of, like, 15-minute rule or something. Like, the rules official has 15 minutes to review it and make a determination. So that way they kind of can at least get in or that they're not all the way through maybe the next hole uh, or whatever before, you know, they make that that call. If Jordan Spieth can take 45 minutes on a driving range at the British Open, (laughs) we can take time to review a thing for 15 minutes. I'm with you. Fair enough. 
All right, Jesse, what other rule got put into play? So uh, this has to do with local rules. If you um, sign your scorecard and you didn't know that you should have taken a penalty, uh, normally that would be an extra two-stroke penalty, but they've taken that away. So no additional two-stroke penalty if you didn't know the rule and uh, didn't account for it on your scorecard. And uh, this goes back to the integrity thing that Bucks were talking about before. I mean, this is a gentleman's game, um, and it should be continue to be a gentleman's game. And, and, you know, I really don't think anybody's out there actively trying to cheat. There's always going to be certain people who are kind of live in gray areas. Um, but the way golf is and when you when you grow up playing golf, like it's just not a part of the game to cheat. So um, I'm, I back that rule 100 percent. You know, I don't think you should. I think you should take the penalty if you should have taken a penalty. But I, there's no point in taking two more shots. It's it's wild with as many officials that are rolling around a golf course that do know the local rules. All the volunteers are there. It should never come to the the, the you know 19th hole where you're signing the golf card to make that happen. Yeah. What are your thoughts, uh, Rob? Yeah, I think it's another thing that with all these guys playing <clears throat> all over the place, and some guys having to you know this year after they started it last year playing courses for the first time. Um, it's just impossible for them to keep up with the 20, 30 different courses that they may play. I mean, yeah. I remember DJ kind of got screwed at the PGA at whistling with the whole bunker rule mm-hmm. um, and his first major that he was going to have. And, you know, yeah. does he play that whole differently? I, I don't know. It's DJ. But at that point, uh, you know, if you take that out of out of that, he's not in a playoff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought this rule was ridiculous <laughs> in the first place. I mean, like Lexi last year, she didn't know she was getting a penalty. So how could she possibly get another penalty for not knowing she was getting a penalty? It's just, it was ridiculous. And so I'm glad they're doing away with it. Um, this, these are just a few of some of the most ridiculous rules in the rule book. I, I think they need to do an overhaul um, to, to really help out not only tour players, but the, the average golfer in general um, to, to get a handle on what the actual rules are because there's a 280-page rule book full of these type of scenarios. Yeah, and I guess they could say it falls back on the caddy, but like, like you said, Rob, they play 30-plus different courses. Every course has its intricacies. Like, how are you supposed to know everything under the sun? Even I, my local course, there's there's like three rules. Depends on who you're playing with that day, mm-hmm. of which way they freaking decide it's supposed to go because it's different for each course knowledge. Basically, it's really weird, yeah. and I'm glad they got rid of it because there's no point in you know double slapping them on the hand. Basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into the uh, quote unquote important stuff to everyone that listens to this podcast. The PGA DFS strategy talk um, and. Trust me, the rules aren't not important because that's going to affect our DFS this season. <laughs> but uh, let's start. We'll have, we'll have Rob answer every question first, and let's go around the horn on these. But Rob, when you're when you're doing your research, when you're getting ready, what type of materials, websites, models? What what do you do to kind of get ready to build your lineups? Sure. So I think uh, the first place I always go is Fantasy National, uh, which is a pretty much just a model website for you they they do it they make it so easy for you uh I've, you know moose um mooseonomics over there he put together a pretty good website i've used that for the past like half year for sure i've always i'm an analytical dude i've that's just kind of my background so i'm always looking for numbers to kind of back up my models so 
Um, in terms of that, I'm always looking for a strokes gain for sure. Um, and you know, I put, I put more of a heavy reliance on form. I really think that's key in, in the game of golf. I think it's very important for, um, you know, everybody except for Matt every, I guess at this point, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course history goes a, a long way for sure. But I think guys that, you know, can, are putting up a monster month are always going to be guys I'm going to look towards first. I think, you know, Tony Finau, for example, last year, who was another guy I think this year is going to have a breakout year, even though he quote unquote kind of did last year. Um, he was always, you know, low priced. He was a low price guy in DK and he, I think he missed like one or two cuts last year, if that, um, but he was always a guy that could, to, could put up numbers. So, uh, fantasy national definitely helps with that. It definitely helps pinpoint and they're, they're, they keep adding more and more information to that site, whether it's ownership kind of projections, which is a risky world to, to dive into. Um, but you know, they make it very customizable so that, you know, all four, all three of us or all four of us here that you go on that website could all come out with different guys. You know, some of it might overlap obviously, but, um, yeah, it always helps me look for form versus class. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff, but I don't know what your interaction with Fantasy National is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we all use it. Yeah. Actually, then you do both. (laughs) You don't, Jesse? No. I've I've looked on there a little bit, but I haven't. I never got into it because, you know, I've I've always done my modeling through through Fantasy Lab. So, um, I don't know. I've, I've got models saved in there, and that's how I use that's what I use. And I think a huge difference between it too is obviously labs is not fully concentrated on golf, which is a great thing for fantasy national that you can go there and that's all they care about. They care about golf 110%. I think that's can, can really make them stand out above any other website out there. Um, and I hope that they don't try to get into other sports because I think it kind of muddies the waters. Yep. The other thing is the fantasy national uses all the every single stat you can possibly want. And I, I'm limited with um, labs to uh, kind of basic stats, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I do like to keep it simple. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm instead of looking at strokes gained, uh, tee to green, I'm more of uh, greens and regulation, driving accuracy, driving distance, that kind of thing. So um, I know Bucks uses it though. Yeah, yeah, I use it every week. Um, basically, what I do is I run through um, the players and get a feel for their price. And obviously I already have an idea in my mind, like who's, I'm glad you brought up recent form because that's probably the number one thing that I look at um, in terms of uh, player selection, that and kind of cut percentage. But then, yeah, I definitely dive into Fantasy National and I'll go into, I don't personally dive into too much of the, bent grass versus Bermuda type thing, unless it's like a certain player really, really stands out. But yeah, um, I'm looking at a lot of the things depending on the course of so fairways, um, greens, proximity, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's been great. When when it turn when it comes to your um, contest selection, are you more cash or GPP? Uh, I'm more of a cash guy. I don't know why, but it looks, you know, I only primarily play on DK. I should probably play a little bit more on FanDuel just because I like having more golfers out there. But yeah. um, the pricing models on DK just suck uh, for <laughs> GPPs. I mean, that's, well, the, that's You're welcome easy. here, Rob. Yeah. 
right <laughs> they just, you know. They're... You like the 7K range by chance? <laughs> yeah, I don't use, yeah, no kidding. 7, 8K <laughs> guys all the time, pretty much in cash. I mean, you, you throw a 9K guy in there once in a while, but yeah, I like. I, I just think it's you're more likely to make money in, yeah. in cash oh, games sure. than you are in GPPs at this point. Yeah. That, not to say I'm not going to chuck in a few entries in like the millionaires or you know max enter like the four dollars, which is I think like twenty mat twenty entries. But I'm not going to sit there and build out 150 rosters for my 150k that won't yeah. hit anyways. Yeah. Um, as we've gone through this season, I've become a big fan of the max entering the twenty max. Either that or sticking to like the three max world. That's kind of where. I like to, to dabble and to go there, but yeah, the uh, the GPP world on draftings, it's the, the, just the pricing in general, like you said, it's a joke, but FanDuel, I haven't played as much as I know Jesse has, but uh, there is definitely a difference there from time to time. Yeah, I mean, obviously the main difference is eight versus six golfers, uh, eight on FanDuel, six on uh, DraftKings. Um, I'm still... 90% uh, DraftKings because they have the way bigger GPPs, and I'm pretty much a GPP player. Um, I will dabble in cash if I if I feel good about a particular play um, because it's it's really important also too to look at ownership even when you're playing cash. Yeah. Um, and I think it's more important in cash than it is in other sports such as NFL or uh, you know NBA even. So. Um, I'm all GPP. I know Bucks is as well for the most part. I mean, I'm probably 90, 10, and sometimes I'll go 50, 50, but it's, it's rare anymore because I'm a degenerate. <laughs> Bucks. You guys know most of the listeners now. I'm 100% GPP. Um, I have dabbled in cash before um, and done fairly well, but, I mean, I, I'm really looking for – that three to four good weeks um, every like half season. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to avoid the, the like the three thirty three that pays out so well, um, or some of the other events that like the GPP prize money on DraftKings actually like decent. Um, whereas, like we've seen it this, so far, this kind of off season, but like the the cash games are what they typically are, but the GPPs are much smaller, so they're not as enticing. Um, for me, I mean, yes, I, I absolutely want to make money. That's 100% the goal and done a decent job at doing that, but it's also entertainment value. I want that sweat. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm 100% a GPP guy. And yeah, do, you guys, do you guys... Do you guys go with – I know, Jesse, you were saying you play a lot of FanDuel um, or you play the most probably out of us out of FanDuel, but do you guys enjoy the, the weekend golf at this point? Or are you still trying to figure that out? Or is that just not enough there for you? I know what they were trying to do in terms of, you know, a team completely blows out of the water Thursday, Friday. They still want to have that returning customer come back on the weekend. But it's it seems like it can get too congested to the point of, uh, you know, yeah. one par here, one par there, obviously, kind of ruins it. Most definitely. I think that's I think that's a great question. I think it'll be better with the upcoming season. So right now there's a lot of um, you know other sports going on, obviously. And then we're, we're going to get into bigger golf tournaments. You know, I think it's cool, really fun to, to play at the majors, especially mm-hmm. 
when, when Tommy Fleetwood sinks my team on Thursday, <laughs> you, know, you can start building some teams for Saturday, Sunday. Um, so I have, you know, I've played that quite a bit. I did play it quite a bit over the summer. Um, and I'll probably get back into it. But, you know, they need, they've got to also bump up the, the prizes a little bit on it. And I won't play any cash in weekend at all. Have no, you played no. cash, Rob? No, I like the weekend stuff, I'll only play GPPs. Gotcha. That's, that's pretty much it. Like cash is, there's, I have no idea how to figure out a strategy for cash in the weekend, let alone GPPs yeah. at this point. I'm with you on that. Let me ask you this. This isn't, on, this isn't kind of on our list here. But do, what's your, like, cash game strategy um, – for somebody who's maybe just, you know, looking to get into golf and start playing and, and dabbling in a little bit. Um, and if you don't want to, re- you know, reveal all your trade secrets perfectly fine, but a general idea of you know, what you think about when you go to make a cash team. Yeah. I mean, most, most cash lineups, I'll try to put together at least five to 10 of them, but primarily most of them centered around three to four guys. Um, that way, you know, you can kind of miss and match your lowest, who you think you're possibly your lowest owned guy would be, or, you know, most unlikely to make a cut, I guess, at that point. Uh, if you're dabbling in the low sevens where Louis A. Sazen isn't there that weekend. Thanks DK. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, most cash guys, a lot of the people will turn towards the names, whereas you can, you know, as Bucks was saying, you can really find guys that are worth and you worth it knowing they're going to make a cut because, you know, 80, 90% of the time of, in the season that they're having, they're going to make a cut and they're probably not going to be that high owned. Like I'll, I'll keep bringing a Fino until I die. I mean, the guy last year had a boss a year in the beginning of the year, you couldn't find that guy over 5% owned and it's yeah. didn't make any sense where he was actually contending most weekends. So, um, you know, the Adam Scott's of the world, he's dropping prices, Jason day towards the end of the year, you could find him in like eight K, but you know, that's just a name at that point. If you look at what they did all season, you couldn't find them near the top of the leaderboard if you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a – so not this past summer. The previous summer, I was on Fabian Gomez like every week because he was <laughs> always 6800 bucks and he was uh, always making a cut. And Bubba this year has been over and on Martin Flores forever, and mm-hmm. the dude is a cut machine, and he's cheap. And he's just one of those roster fillers, you know, he's going to be there on the weekend and get you that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Sorry. Just, another guy I would say was just going to like Lucas Glover at the end of last year. The yeah, guy couldn't, yeah. couldn't miss a cut. I mean, his knee fell out of place or whatever that was, but you know, he was another guy who could just kind of lock and load and it didn't really make sense, but yep. he would always make a cut. Yep, yep. Yep. Cut makers are great. Sink was there at one point, but, uh, Flores, Glover, a lot of those cheapies are good. What's your cash strategy when you're building your lineups? Yeah, I mean, I don't – I kind of like to play different lineups in different tournaments. Like, I, I won't stack the same lineup in, uh, you know, I don't know, like a 20 entry. I won't put the same lineup in there five times if I feel great about it. I mean, that's not the point of cash. It's just variability at that point, and you're not trying to hit a high number at all. You're just trying to make sure you make find six guys that kind of make cuts. Um, but I, I know for a lot of for cash stuff, I usually try to look at the weather. Um, I know that's always been an important thing in golf, but people really didn't focus on it, I guess, until a couple of years ago. I think there was one tournament that kind of blew everybody out of the water. But, you know, if, if you find a bad draw, I think – 
it's very easy to build a cash lineup compared to a GPP where you feel like you have to revolve kind of your core around one dude or two dudes that might end up on the bad side of a draw, which can always happen, especially if you think the weather's going to do something or you're building out lineups come Tuesday night and you're not really sure on the weather. And then obviously Wednesday night comes around and weird storms come through. I don't know. It's, it's tons of variability around it. So I'm always trying to look for, you know, any type of weather. When you're thinking about the, the, the lineups, when you're thinking about your cash game strategy, what would you say your strategy is for a large field GPP? And as somebody that this is like the only thing that I enter, so I'm super interested in hearing your thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things I'll definitely try to find is Vegas odds real early, like as soon as they come out, whether yeah. it's any of the majors. Um, and just kind of keep tabs on guys that I think, outside of the top names, obviously, cause, because, you know, they're at such a low number anyways most of the time. Um, and just kind of see who's making the biggest moves because there's way smarter people out there than me, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, you, you, see a guy, you see a guy move from 120 to 80 to 1, you know, and he's sitting at high sixes, low sevens, or he's a mid-seven type of guy on DraftKings. Like, that's probably a guy I'm going to put a little more stock into, even if he's not fitting my model at that point. I mean, Vegas pretty much knows all. It's, I'll rely on that till the day I die at this point. But yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah, I, I do the same thing. So Vegas odds are a, a huge indicator of kind of where the money's moving, who's uh, been hotter recently, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even for the large field GPPs, my core focus is going to be on six guys that can make a cut. Um, I mean, you'll see in some events, I think, uh, the cha- the PGA Championship last year, uh, having six guys was guaranteed money. And so I-, I think first and foremost, I'm going to look for guys that I believe are going to make the cut. But then again, um, a- after that, it's really looking at guys that can put up uh, some really solid numbers. I mean – Everybody on tour can play, obviously, but there's just some guys that are more um, in line with what you need to score DK points or FanDuel points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the guys that I target, look at the Vegas odds. Um, and then, like you said, I'm glad you mentioned weather because I think that's a, 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 a thing that has been becoming more popular uh, in the last few years. But that's a really, really big for the first couple of days. I mean, we've had a couple of tournaments in the last year where it's been a really, really big advantage to have like the AM wave uh, and then the PM on uh, Friday and vice mm-hmm. versa. So I'm glad you mentioned that. What do you think, Bubba? Yeah, when when I'm doing my GPPs, I, I do like that weather concern as well. But um, I, I look to kind of get my Flores of the world down below uh, that I know are kind of just not going to light the world on fire, but they'll make the cut and maybe, you know, maybe light the world on fire. And then other than that, I want to get my, uh, my big boys up top there. You know, we had our, our, our Paul Casey guy. We knew he wouldn't win, but he, he'd contend <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Cause get that six to six through, make that money and go. But um, there is the point where you got to take your gambles a little bit and try to deviate from the norm. But uh, for the most part, I, I got to the point last year where I just wanted that six of six and move on. Cause 
it got so chalky at times last year. It was ridiculous, and you just you couldn't be cute with it at all. Yeah. What about you, what about you Jesse? Yeah, I mean, so whenever I'm I'm building at like a so when when I I, I do build a cash lineup um, about once a week at least, and I'll put it in some smaller GPPs or you know even in a cash game or two just to just to just to try to hedge a little bit, but I also throw that obviously in a large field GPP as well just in case you hit the nuts like I did this past summer one time, so one time I like you know, 54, it mattered, but either way. Um, so when I'm building the cash team, I'm trying to go more balanced, strictly cut makers, guys that I just feel like really good about making the cut that week. And then um, looking at some uh, ownership projections as well on that. But when I, when I, when I focus on large field GPPs, I'm looking more for um, to find a low owned guy who I really feel like could potentially win um, kind of come out of nowhere and win because that's what you got to have. You got to have the guy who's one or two percent and does really well, top tens, top fives, um, and and contends for the win in order to win a large field GBP. And when I say that, I'm talking about you know like a thousand or more, um, even. So uh, for me, it's it's they're similar. Um, you know, I I wouldn't really say that like a cash lineup is strictly a cash lineup and a GBP lineup is strictly a GBP lineup. I mean. Right. Uh, you know, there's always in golf, there's always a lot of what ifs. And that's what makes you kind of feel like, oh, God, you know, this could seriously tank. And that's why I don't like cash as much. Um, but then again, I've gone away from playing a lot of cash in all of my um, – in all the sports that I play, which is every sport. Um, so uh, it's it's it be- mostly because, I don't know, I mean, the edge is gone, I think, in a lot of this stuff. So it's difficult. Yeah. The, the last, hey, Rob, thing, um, last thing that I'm going to mention here, Bubba, is we talked about this with Rob last week, Bolton. Um, golf is crazy, man. I mean, it is literally the only sport on the planet where you can look at stats all day long, and if somebody shows up to play, they're going to go bananas. Like, the – Larry Mize could come and show up and shoot under par one day and be <laughs> min-priced. Or Davis Love last year a couple of times. Freddie Couples is always good for it a couple of rounds a year. And so you can look at the stats all day long, look at recency, that kind of thing, but you have to go with your gut a little bit as well. Um, have the stats to back it up. Um, but golf is so unpredictable. Anybody has a chance to do it make sure you have a process and stick to it um, and make sure that you're comfortable with the lineup you're selecting because ultimately you have a, a four day sweat. Hopefully um, if you go into the event, hating your lineup, I mean, what's the point? Yeah. I, I would just add on top of that too. Like there's so much information out there and golf is such an individual sport. Like the smallest things matter. You know, I, I call my TMZ events pretty much any type of life event. You know, you just had a kid, you have no sleep, you're traveling cross country, you go play golf. You're not going to wake up Thursday morning ready to go or even small little equipment changes. Like there's so many clubs that uh, affect the golfer compared to, you know, a football player out there who can kind of go hide on a field with other guys. Might not have his best game, but team wins, team wins. Whereas, you know, yep. I feel for a guy like Billy Horschel who had to hide kind of what happened with his wife last year. And he still goes out and wins the tournament. You know, he breaks down afterward. But he's a guy that you never, like, 
we can get to this later, but I would always play him and I wouldn't understand how, how he couldn't put together four rounds or two rounds, let alone at that point. But yeah. small little things like that, like you're saying, can pop up and just kind of ruin anybody's weekend. That's always been a, it's always been a thing of ours is we, we said it'd be awesome if there was like tournament insiders that could tell us the little things that we can't find out between the ropes even something as small as, hey, this guy went out to like three in the morning last night. And he's got yes, the time of the day, but yeah. like, but then definitely stuff like Billy Horschel and you know other guys that have having had issues, you know, at home or something. Yeah. It'd be tremendous because everybody that plays golf knows there's so much of it that's mental that it could be game changing. Exactly. Um, now we know you're pretty primarily a, a cash guy, so this can affect cash games just like GPPs. But when, when we get to those smaller tournaments, like at the end of the year, and we'll have some in Hawaii and some of the WGCs, and you're at 100 or less, no-cut event-type deals, how do you, do you affect your strategy that way, or do you kind of stick with your guns? I think you kind of have to change it, just because you know you're getting four rounds out of guys. Um, yeah. I think you could be a lot more aggressive. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't be. I'm not going to sit there and play the Bill Haases of the world for four rounds. Where yeah, exactly. You got Harold Varner. Obviously, Justin Thomas is like the number one candidate. He's a birdie or better guy. It didn't really matter for him in those type of tournaments. Obviously, put together everything last year. You know, guys like Brooks Kepka, who, you know, they're going to be in every power five and two, so they got better chances at Eagle, which are more points. Whereas, you know, <laughs> like you're saying, the shorter hitters, the Zach Johnson of the world, sure, they might go out and shoot 10 under, but they're going to have. 11 birdies and one bogey while Kepka might have 18 birdies and seven bogeys at that point he's making you more money so I think at that point you could play it a lot more aggressive with dudes yeah most definitely we, we talk about it a lot uh, those guys that go for it eagle makers birdie or better type stuff it, it's it's game on and uh, and we also talk about don't go too crazy that week because the variance is a little different than most weeks yeah you see Gary Woodland sitting at 20 over in WGC at Bridgestone. So you're like, well, didn't hit it right this week. So yeah, yeah you might as well turn it off. I got, I got one question, Bubba. Uh, and I mean, I, I pretty much know the answer for the other two, but obviously Robert, I don't know you. So have you, have you dabbled in the Euro golf much? Um, do you play it at all or gotten into it? I'll do it um, more in terms of the side events where I feel like they're bigger than the PGA one, just because I don't want to wake up at nine o'clock in the morning on Saturdays to watch <laughs> guys finish really. Um, but I mean the big time events out there, obviously they have the better, the better quality golf out there right now in terms of the, the fall swing where you can go see Justin Rose, who should probably win this week. Um, but I feel like if, if DK ever got smart and actually put together like relatively decent sized GPPs for that, I see a bunch of people complain all the time that, you know, for stronger field events where you have guys from America, like the Scottish Open, you have the Patrick Reeds, the Phil Mickelsons of the world travel over there. It's a perfect opportunity to get your product in front of those guys that normally wouldn't play the Euro Tour. So I'll definitely play it those weeks, but I won't necessarily make it a mainstay where I just, I just, there's not enough information out there about most of those guys unless you're doing some serious work. Yeah. I mean, one thing I tell, I talk about all the time, and Bubba and I talk about Euro golf all the time because we're pretty big fans of it. But uh, there's all kinds of um, like Euro cappers because obviously it's legal in a lot of in most of Europe to bet. Yep. So there's 
so many cappers and I lean on them a lot more than I do um, the guys who are doing the, you know, PGA tour or whatever, um, who are putting out bets for that. I lean on those guys in it because they know what they're talking about. I know Bubba knows what I'm talking about with those guys. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Now let's talk some up-and-coming players to get into the year. We uh, The young guns are, are in full force this past year, and there's a lot more to come. You have web.com guys, other young guys. You mentioned Fino already. Uh, Bucks, why don't you kick us off on this? Yeah, I mean, so the question I would pose to pretty much everybody but um, is what are some of the players that you're looking forward to seeing? Um, there's a, a ton of guys, especially guys that went through key school, even some web.com guys that'll play on tour a little bit. Um, so who, who are the players that you're most excited to see this year? I mean, I actually went to school with this kid. He was a year younger than me. He's uh, Sam Ryder, who came in second last year on the web.com tour. So I have some personal connection there. Uh, he can hit it a ton and he can putt, which doesn't usually go hand in hand. Um, and I think he, he fell short of the U.S. Open last year by two strokes. Uh, but he probably – he was close to winning about three tournaments last year. He finally got his first win, um, and he had finished just outside of the top 25 the year before. So you could kind of see that natural progression going on uh, as a guy that could kind of – you know, he he's from Florida, so I would assume he's going to play some of those smaller events, obviously the side tour events, but the, the Florida events he's probably going to be involved with there. And the other guy is Stefan Yeager. Um, he made the cut last year. He was, you know, the world uh, kind of number one. He made the cut at the U.S. Open. He's another dude that he won a bunch last year. He won the week before the U.S. Open, played well, made the cut, and then he, I think he won after it too. Um, so he's a type of another name that I'm looking at. I love the Web.com tour, guys, because it's so competitive now. Um, those guys, yeah, I mean, with all the guys that won last year too, you know, Grayson Murray for all the flack that he gets, he goes out and wins a side tour event. I mean, it's just a perfect stopping ground, especially at this point where now they have that Q school where you see a guy like Lee McCoy, who was playing tour events, goes has to go there and win. And I think that just goes to the fact of, uh, like, the quality of golfer that kind of going the Euro route like a Kepka did in terms of Peter Uline last year. You know, he didn't play at all on the Web.com tour. He showed up for one event and won it. And he's like, all right, I won my card. Let's play. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I think it's a great stopping ground. It's a great proving point. They play some great tracks, too. So I don't think you could go wrong with any of the type of those guys. But I don't know about you guys. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I agree. I think, yeah. I think for, for me, I, I'm glad you brought up Uline. I really like him. Um, I think he's going to play great this year. Um, and some of the Euro that I did follow, he was obviously super chalky, uh, but for a good reason. Um, two other guys that I, I'm looking forward to seeing this year. Um, this guy will play a little bit on tour this year. Maverick McNeely, super talented. I mean, really, really talented. Um, can really get hot, too. So he's always fun to watch. <clears throat> and then the last guy I'll mention uh, is Keith Mitchell. He is a beast, man. I, I watched quite a bit of the web last year. And he's just super solid. I think he was like, I think he led like six or seven stat categories on the web.com last year. Um, really consistent, hits the ball pretty far, straight. Um, he's a beast. So I can't wait to see him this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it, it, I'm kind of looking for some of these guys who've already been on tour to see if they can take it the next step. Like, for instance, Kevin Tway, can he actually 
pull through and uh, put four rounds together, um, make a you know and, and, and win a golf tournament. Uh, Xander Schauffele, you know, obviously finished so hot last year, but can he break through and win multiple times this year and or win a major? Um, Austin Cook has already won this year, so he's kind of there, but uh, he would be a guy, another guy that I would mention on that. And then I can't go without mentioning Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> yes, sir. Coming over to the United States, and we'll be on every – I will roster him every single week that he plays. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be money. And uh, I'll kind of piggyback off of what you were saying. I do love Fleetwood, but I want to see – a guy like Smiley Kaufman. We had Spieth the first year, then Thomas, and they still say like Kaufman's almost as talented, if not more talented than them those days. So I, I want to see if he can finally take that next step, or if not wearing a hat while you play golf, seriously an issue. I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, and then like you know your web.com guys, we talk about them like Burgoon and Gooch. They've been entertaining. Love Ladies, another member of that little group, but yeah, you line, we saw Cantlay come on. I think it's be, a, we all agree. He's going to have a huge year this year. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a ton to love with these young guns. For sure. The competition for the Ryder cup is going to be nuts towards the end of the year with the amount awesome. of talent. That's the American team's going to have. Especially with Tiger trying to get in. <laughs> that too. That's a good point. Um, I know you already mentioned Finau, and you can mention him again. You can kind of talk about why, but do you have any favorites kind of guys on the, from a DF, DFS perspective that you just are basically plugging every week um, for one reason or the other? Probably. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're wrong about Paul Casey. You know, you guys were talking about him earlier, but I think he already said he's going to come out. And he's going to play the Euro Tour next year because he wants to play in the Ryder Cup too. So, yeah. kind of lose him a little bit. Um, Wait, so so you were a big PC guy? Yeah, I mean, I know he'd never win because that's just not what he does. But we'll have to justify him to us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a guy. He's gonna hit every green. He's not gonna make any putts. It's just the way it goes. I mean, he's gonna show up on you know he'll show up on Friday and he'll be gone by Saturday, but he'll be there. So. <laughs> this killer, dude. PC. My goodness. <laughs> um, other guys, I I would play I, that I couldn't get away from. Not necessarily a good thing was Billy Ho. Like I was saying. I just never understood it. There were just weeks where he could putt the, the lights out of everything, and then the next week he couldn't hit a fairway, so it didn't even matter. Uh, it obviously started to make sense at the end of the year. But, you know, I, I look at past major winners just for that name because I know they've been there. The, the Lucas Glovers of the world. Billy Ho won the FedEx Cup, whatever, three, four years ago. So you know he could do it. Um, for him to not go out on some of these smaller events like you know, the Valspar, uh, Honda and not put it together was kind of frustrating, I guess you could say the least. And then I, I'll play Keegan. I don't know why. <laughs> Throw up a lot when I do it, but you know, if he's gonna continue to hit the fairway and hit greens, there's got to be at some point he can like use his shoe or something to putt. But um, he, yeah, he's an ultra frustrating dude. But I'll, I'll play those guys pretty much primarily. Whenever I can, really, they just they just keep the ball in play so much that it, it doesn't make sense to not play them. And they'll yeah. dabble around the cut, and you'll get your sweat in pretty early on Friday. That's for sure. No doubt. But what we got? Um, we were all on the PC bandwagon for sure. I can't not say Martin Flores. That was a guy I literally would play every week. He's available in the in the in the mid sixes. Um, outside of that, you know, if you're just looking for cut makers, Stuart Sink was there for a while. He died off at the end. 
And, you know, one guy that Bucks liked a lot and kind of got me onto him was uh, our good old, good old boy, Flat Bill Pat Perez. He was yeah. something something fun to – because at, at worst, you're going to be highly entertained by that greasy-haired guy running around out there. But uh, it's good stuff, good stuff with him. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, there's a few guys last year that I was I, – I always gravitated towards them. You already mentioned Perez. Um, I love watching him play. There were There was like – three or four weeks during the summer that I couldn't get myself off Sabatini either, um, which was weird. He actually played well a couple of those events. Uh, but most weeks, I would say um, Xander was one that we were on for a while. Cantlay, I seemed to roster every single week. And then one guy that I really liked that I know uh, Jesse is not a huge fan of, uh, is Webb Simpson. So I use him quite a bit. <laughs> Obviously, you guys know about me and PC and our relationship. Um, and it's going to be coming to an end, but he will be playing in Euro Tour. I play it every week, so I'll keep playing him. But uh, I, I like uh, what Rob was talking about there with uh, Glover. Um, Glover was a, at the end of the year, man. Every lineup, you know, I put him on there. And, and, it was sometimes tilting to not see him make a run on the weekend, but he was making cuts so consistently it's hard to pass up. Um, and then Xander, I could never get him right, but I loved rostering him. Cantlay was another guy that I thought was uh, on almost every team that I made last year when he played after he you know, started playing well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's I could go on and on. Um, if you read my article every week, it's pretty much the same guys, just <laughs> reasons why to play him every week. Yeah, I mean, so the one guy that I have to bring up, because we really haven't talked about him, surprisingly, is Tiger. He yeah. is a guy that I will likely roster every single week until he wins, and I'll probably go broke doing it. <laughs> he will. Yeah. <laughs> on that, Rob. What's your thoughts on Tiger? I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be sort of interesting. I mean, it's exciting for the first time to really kind of actually think about him as a viable option outside of just fanboying it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he if he's smart, which he should be about his back this time, he's going to play a very consolidated schedule, right? So he'll, he'll play the Tories. He'll, he'll play everywhere he's won, um, which all the better for guys that are going to roster him at that point, right? Because you know the course history is there, and he could step out there tomorrow and play left-handed and probably make cuts if he's healthy. Um, it'll be really interesting to kind of see where the sites price him, if they price him to the point of they know everybody's going to play him anyways, or they're going to actually price him at you know a price point that makes sense where he might not contend, but he's going to be around. That's the that's the point that I'll be more interested in, I guess, at this point. I'll definitely play him. There's no way I'm not going to, but yeah. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be over him that much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last one last question for you, Rob. Um, yeah. do you have any like I wouldn't say bold calls or predictions? What are you looking for? Like any first time major winners or anything this year? That's a good question. Um I think Justin Rose is definitely gonna win another major this year. I think I mean, he should have won the Masters last year. That was kind of ridiculous that he didn't win that. Um, but I think Shinnecock's another one of those courses that kind of suits him, too. I think they're going to play that one really tough just for the fact of how everything went at Aaron Hills last year. Um, and I don't see that being a birdie fest at all. It's probably going to be a massacre, to be honest. Um, 
So, yeah, Justin Rose kind of coming back and be a major winner. I would say that I don't think I don't think JT is going to have that as good of a year. I think he's going to be pretty decent, but I could definitely see him kind of sliding um, a little bit. But as as first time winner, I mean, how do you not throw Cantlay up there? Really? I mean, he didn't miss a he didn't he didn't make a, he didn't miss a cut last year. He already won again this year. You know, it's hard not to say that he might be the guy that comes out of no, I wouldn't say nowhere, obviously now, but he'd be the guy that kind of fills out and wins a major. I like it. Well, Rob, we appreciate you being on the podcast this week, and we'll definitely be in touch. Maybe have you on again for some major coverage or something later this year. I got Rob on Twitter at all day every 365, as we stated earlier. Go follow him, good PGA stuff and more. Um, you can follow the pod at always press DFS bucks at BP snow 11, Jesse at DFS golf gods. I am at BD Entrick. and everybody. Thanks for listening. Always pressing PGA DFS strategy talk and more with Rob Treya. Thanks guys. Catch you guys later. Thanks, thanks guys. Rob. See ya.